0: Genesis 11:26 Hear the word of the Lord. When Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah: Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred in your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing." I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. This ends the reading of God's word. Please remain standing as we turn in our Bibles to chapter 7 of the book of Acts. This is Stephen's speech before he was stoned to death for being a Christian. Here in Acts chapter 7, we begin with verse 2. Acts 7, verse 2, we'll only be reading through verse 5. And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child." Sends the writing of God's holy word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. Let us go to the Lord and ask his blessing upon our meditation upon his word. Let's pray. Our father in heaven, we do appeal to you to open our minds to your truths that we may live according to it, that we may bless you and we may walk according to your ways. And we may be edified today and encouraged in our pilgrimage as well. We pray, O Lord, you would bless us. May the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. So this is a series on the patriarchs in Genesis. This is number one. This evening it will be number seven or eight. I don't know where I'm at. I just sort of, wa- I'm a wandering Aramean. We're kind of just wandering around the patriarchs. And this is just one of those places in the Bible that sneaks up on you with its charm and beauty and the, the message which is so encouraging, and yet it looks so ordinary. Everything in this passage in chapter 11 looks really rather ordinary. This is just normal life, and then it isn't. This is normal life, and then it becomes not normal at all. It becomes quite extraordinary. Extraordinary. Um, and that's kind of the way our lives go. We live ordinary lives. You shouldn't be troubled by that. You shouldn't be praying for the Lord to appear to you. He's already appeared to all the people he will until that last appearance when our Lord Jesus comes for us. But instead, he'll speak to you from his word. Uh, as we meet together and as you hear the word proclaimed, he will speak to your hearts. Maybe sometime uh, maybe often, the word will just be impressed in your heart. Its message will be clarified for you, and then so that when you uh, live your life, you'll you'll say to yourself, "You know, there was that message. That now I understand uh, how the Lord is working with me as well." That's what we have here. This is uh, rather ordinary with Tara. Uh, Tara has appeared. Uh, In uh, the earlier part of chapter 11, we have this long genealogy giving the uh, genealogy of Terah. He comes from the line of Shem, uh, and it kind of ends with Terah. And we kind of pause in this unfolding generation after generation, ending with Terah. And then we pause a little bit with him so that we hear more about Terah particularly in verse 26, and notice all the repetition that you get here. This is a kind of repetition that if you're hearing it, it's a way to underline. It's a way to put it in red, let's say, uh, because ordinarily you would just be listening to this, not reading it uh, in the ancient world. You'd be hearing it, so when you hear repetition, it's a way to kind of uh, seal it in your mind, okay, I've got to pay attention to that. There's some repetition here. Let me give an example of that, just for one example. Verse 30. Now, Sarai was barren. She had no child. She's barren. She has no child. I mean, if she's barren, then she doesn't have any children. So that's repetitions. You don't really need to say she has no child. Once you say she's barren, she has no child. Well, that's the kind of repetition where Obviously, our author is making sure you pay attention to that. This is an important point about Sarah. Notice it's right up front, too. The first time we hear about her, oh, she's barren, has no child. This is going to become a big part of the story as the uh, Genesis narrative unfolds from this point on with Abraham. Because we're going to hear that he and his uh, children after him will... Receive this land. Well, he doesn't have any children from Sarai, his legitimate wife. So how is that going to happen? That's what we immediately start wondering. But this is really at the beginning a story about, story about Terah and about Terah's journey with his family. So this journey, uh, really appears quite normal. Kind of an ordinary story about uh, people moving, and, you know, people move occasionally. I know, that's kind of funny to me. I haven't moved in a long, long time, and now we're putting the house up for sale, and it's really different. <laughs> I feel like a wandering air, me, and I have to tell you. But, you know, we trust the Lord that this is uh, in his will, and we are following his leading in this. So here, Terah left the land of his kindred. This is, this is how that goes. It actually appears also in Acts 2. Look at uh, chapter 12 verse 1. Go from your country and your kindred. This is, this is actually repeated several times uh, uh, in the Genesis narrative, and it was also stated in Acts 7. The land of his kindred is Mesopotamia. So it, was known back then as Sumer sometimes it's uh, uh actually if you were to look at a map it's southeast of babylon so you're you're really pretty far down so the fertile crescent goes like this it actually goes all the way to egypt over here the fertile crescent starts in mesopotamia down here uh looking at the map from your direction by the way i'm doing it backwards from my direction so you're you're down in the east here, the southeast, and you go this fertile crescent all the way down to Egypt, uh, and that's where Abraham and his kindred are. They're in Ur of the Chaldeans down here, and then they set out to go around down to Canaan, uh, and so Terah is taking his family, not all of them, because not all the kindred go. But it says in verse 31 that he intended to go to Canaan. And then he ended up in Haran. Now, if you start down here and you're going to Canaan, it's you follow the river of the Euphrates, uh, and you can follow it around for a while and then cut over to the northern part of Syria and then drop down to Canaan. Uh, the problem is you you go around like that and if you're going to go to Canaan, you don't go up like this to Haran. It's several hundred miles north of their route. So they're going around like this, and then they take a jog north to Haran, which is up here. It's actually north of Syria. It's pretty far north, actually. Uh, and so this is kind of a surprising development. And the question arises, and many people have wondered about this, Uh If he intended, Terah, taking his family, if he intended to go to Canaan, why end up in Haran? Was he disobedient? Now, that would imply that Terah knew he should go. The Lord had commanded him to go to Canaan. And instead we're told, He intended to go to Canaan. We're not told that the Lord said go to Canaan. That's different. And so for all, and here's how this works. You don't want to impute to people knowledge that they don't have. Unless we're told that the Lord said go to Canaan, and then he didn't. Unless that happens, you can't assume the Lord talked to him. What we're told is he talked to Abraham, Abram, and not to Terah. So Terah is setting out for Canaan, but in the ordinary course of events, he ends up in Haran. I don't think there is any sin involved. When you're looking at the biblical text, there's nothing to suggest that Terah is disobedient. I think it's just ordinary. Because when you think about these folk, they're primarily herdsmen. This is how their main income is. They might have a few camels, uh, but primarily it's sheep and goats. And they take a lot of grass, particularly sheep who can really eat a lot of grass <laughs> and eat it all the way down to the nub. That's Sheep are kind of notorious for that. Uh, even the roots, if they get hungry enough, they'll eat the grass roots, and then you've got to move them because they'll just ruin the, the grasslands. And that's actually part of, the, part of the reason why he ends up in Haran, I think. This is a guess now. I think he ends up in Haran in the ordinary course of events because you're traveling in that area, and there are people who control the wells, and they control the grasslands, and they may not have wanted him on those grasslands with his sheep and goats because they have sheep and goats, and they don't want him gobbling up all the grass. It's theirs. So the way ordinary uh, pasturage goes and the way these herdsmen travel, they kind of wind around because they're following the food for the animals uh, and water. So they are kind of dependent upon the peoples that they uh, camp around, You know whether they let them use their grasslands, at least for a time, and they may have to take a left or right turn to get away from hostile folk who won't let them uh, be in that area. And so they went to Haran, probably in the ordinary course of things, hearing that there is land that they could settle in up there. Uh, and that's, that's why I think when you're looking at the life of Terah, you just think, well, this is an ordinary herdsman, and this is just the way things are. He lived his life in a kind of ordinary way And the Lord didn't tell him to go to Canaan. He intended to go, but we're not even told that Abraham knew he was supposed to go to Canaan. If you remember that act seven, it just said, the Lord of glory appeared to Abraham and said, leave your homeland and your kindred to a land. I will show you, but it didn't say what land that was yet. So right now they don't know where they're going. Kind of like a lot of us. We don't know where you're going. You may, you may have questions in your life. Where am I going to end up? Uh, that of course is, is, uh, in this day and age, not always the kind of way we live our lives. I don't think very many of you, uh, live by herding sheep and goats. Uh, my neighbors do. <laughs> If you come to our place, it's sheep and mostly sheep. They're very noisy. <laughs> and they've eaten all the grass down. <laughs> and they look longingly at our place. But, but very few of us live that way. We make decisions on other, other reasons. But we may have similar kind of decisions. You know, where, where should I live? Where should I serve? What kind of place should I be in? Well, these are questions that the James passage reminds us. We look to the Lord to lead us. And that's what's happening here. There's no reason to think that Haran is a bad place to end up uh, for Terah. So Terah took his family, took Abraham, and he took Lot and their wives and children and went up to Haran and stayed there. So this is just an ordinary time. Things were ordinary. And then all of a sudden it's not ordinary at all. Chapter twelve. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred in your father's house. See, that's actually her, the Chaldeans. This is this is reaching back before his time in Haran. This is echoing in Abram's mind that he's to leave his kindred behind. This is not easy to do. If you have family and you move away from them, it's not easy to do for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, I we did that here. We lived here 40 years in San Diego County. Forty years. 1982 we moved here. And all my family was back in, in Oregon at the time. Uh, so it's a 1,000 miles away. It's, it's not that close because you have to go all the way through California and most of the way through Oregon to go where I'm from. This is, you know, this is the nature of living in the West. And many of you have that same issue. You know, your families may be scattered around in the days of plane travel. That may seem easier, although today plane travel doesn't seem easy anymore to me for a number of reasons. But these folk, Abram, left his kindred and his father's house. To the land that that he would show him. And so from now on, when you're reading Genesis from this point on with the patriarchs, it's the land. The land becomes central. The decisions these people are making concerns the land. And you're going to see that when you keep reading in Genesis. It's the land. The land becomes kind of the focal point. This is why we we sang about Jerusalem. It's the land. It's the land where the Lord will meet with his people. This is what this means. A land I will show you because I want you to live in that land because that's where I will manifest my presence to you. And also, as we find out, the land that I will give to you and to your offspring. But then notice what he says in verse 2. I will make of you a great nation, That implies children. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That last line is actually picked up by uh, Paul in Galatians, in a passage we're going to come back to. That's picked up as the gospel promise in Christ Jesus. That's actually an announcement of the gospel to Abram. This is Galatians 3.8, where Paul sees that as the pre-proclamation. And I use that term on purpose. It's a pre-proclamation of the gospel to Abraham, And you, all the nations of the earth, will be blessed. But here he hears the voice of his Savior Announcing that he will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. Not just his kindred anymore, but his kindred as well, it turns out. So the Lord said go. Now verse four. So Abram went. Three words here. So Abram went. There's no discussion. We're not told that Abram, you know, leave my kindred, that he really had trouble with that. The Lord said, go. So Abram went. This was his faith starting out. When you study the faith of Abram, it's not mature at the beginning. How could it be? We tend to expect him to be as father Abraham. Like he's an old man and he knows everything. No. First of all, Old men, I can assure you, don't know everything, being one myself. And two, he's just starting out in his pilgrimage with the Lord. But he started out right. So Abram went. He trusted himself to the Lord in his journey. And he went according to the Lord's command. He obeyed the Lord. When the Lord commanded him to go. So this is, this is Abram's faith operating. And the Lord promised to be a blessing to him and to all those who bless him. If you want to see that blessing, I will bless all those who bless you. If you want to see that in Genesis chapter 14 and Melchizedek. Melchizedek blesses Abraham. And then he was himself blessed. Melchizedek. So here is uh, the starting out, really, of the great family of faith. And yet, how is this going to work? We're told twice that Sarah is barren. She has no children. How is this all going to work? So Abram went. He didn't know. Brothers and sisters, you don't always know what tomorrow will bring. One thing I remind people, and by the way, I've reminded myself this. The Lord will reveal his will to you at the right time, not always ahead of time. He didn't tell Abram much here. He didn't tell him all the stuff he would do for him. He gave him a good general overview of his favor to him and that he would be with him. I will be with you because I will bless you. And that was enough for Abraham. That should be enough for us. The Lord will be with you. That, that is our comfort in our journey in life. The Lord will be with you. Yeah, you may not live in the kind of home you want or in the place you want. But the Lord will be with you. Now it's the place you want and the kind of home you want because that's what makes it worthwhile. That's what makes it a good place. We sang that line in that Psalm 100. For the Lord is good. And he's like a shepherd to us. For the Lord is good. You you meditate upon the goodness of God. He doesn't lie. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't have bad days where he forgets to take care of you. The Lord is good. And he's good toward you. This is our comfort in our life's pilgrimage. Well, brothers and sisters, as I mentioned to you, this passage just starts the foundation for a great pilgrimage. And it's a pilgrimage with a goal. It's a pilgrimage with a goal that you can start seeing, even in that Genesis narrative, but then all of a sudden it explodes in Matthew 1. In Matthew 1, we get really the start, the restarting of the human race. Matthew 1 is a genealogy of Jesus. And in that genealogy, it actually starts with an uh, unusual opening. This is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David. This is... The genealogy, the book of the genealogy, that's actually a line from Genesis. The book of the genealogy of the human race begins uh, in Genesis. We have really a new Adam being founded, a new human race. And he comes from the line of Abraham. You see, Abraham was handpicked to be the ancestor of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was handpicked for that exalted place. And that's his most important accomplishment. So Abram went, and then he becomes the ancestor of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the son of Abraham. Now, I would remind you, and this is from Romans 4, I would remind you, if you're thinking, well, Abraham's you know, Jewish, at this time he was not. He was not circumcised. He was a Gentile, like me. You see, in Romans 4, Paul says, yeah, Abram, Abraham was a Gentile, so he was circumcised later so that he could be the father of the Gentiles and then the father of the Jews together. Because in Christ Jesus, Gentiles and Jews are brought together as one new people. We don't despise Jewish people. Quite the contrary. We, we join them and are tremendously grateful for the testimony of faith through all the centuries of Christ Jesus' people. Particularly those who, you know, for those who hold to the same faith we do. And we have joined them. But we Gentiles are now fellow citizens with the saints in light through Christ Jesus. Abraham is our father too because it's by faith that we join that great throng of people and the ancestors of Abraham because he was a man of faith. So Abram went. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is from this nation. And then this blessing in you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Galatians 3.8 says that Abram was hearing the pre- preliminary early proclamation of the gospel. That in Christ Jesus, all the nations would be blessed in him. Because this promise to Abraham is fulfilled in Christ It's a pre-proclamation of the gospel because it was awaiting fulfillment in Christ. That's what makes it a pre-proclamation of the gospel. Because in Paul's day, that gospel proclamation to the Gentiles now is no longer preliminary. It's the full-blown gospel proclamation that if you belong to Jesus Christ, you enter into this great family of people who trusted in the Lord, God's own folk, God said to Abraham, leave your kindred and go to this land. And then Abraham receives kindred he had never imagined. He receives as ancestors, you and me. He receives a great company of people that he will join on the last day. When we all stand together in the presence of the Lord And praise the Lord for his faithfulness to us and to all of his people in Christ Jesus through the centuries. May his name be praised, our Lord Jesus Christ. His name be praised forever and ever. Amen.